Hey, do you want to be like me and make podcasts that everyone loves? Yeah, you do. But chances are, you don't want to spend a bunch of money doing it. No worries. A solution exists. Spotify's got a platform that lets you make podcasts super easy, then distribute those podcasts everywhere, and you can even earn money doing it. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Also, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. I'm speaking from experience when I say that all those additional features like video podcasts, Q&As, polls, those are things you won't find for cheap elsewhere. But with Spotify for Podcasters, it's all totally free no catch. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Thanks. We love you. everybody hello. hello hello welcome to pretty scary pretty scary boo that's the one that's the mm-hmm. one i'm adam yes. todd brown and that must I... have been caitlin cut yes i am i'm caitlin cut it's crazy again <laughs> again we are tapped as your hosts what is up are we just in the pocket of the universe how does this keep happening it's crazy so many other hosts of this show and it always ends up being us there are big name celebrities who also host this show but they're not as good as we are at this show not nearly as good wayne brady hosts this show and he can make up a song i can't even do that like we did that once and that's it that's the only time i've ever been able to do it he could improv a whole show he's a master of his craft that's really, but I think it's crazy that they don't ask Pat Sajak to host more often. I feel like, I mean, he's like in the b- major league host in the pantheon of American television hosts. Pat Sajak is way up there. He is He's way up there. He is a very able host. He's great. So when we, when we cracked the dossier open to find out yeah. what we were talking about this week after me and yeah. Caitlin were tapped as your, your hosts. Again, it turns out we're we're talking about something that we covered on the conspiracy podcast years ago, like in the early days of the mm. conspiracy pod. And I've always I don't want to say regretted that I did it on the conspiracy podcast. That's not the right word for it. I'm not going to no, be on my death. We can't live with regrets. No. Yeah. I'm not going to be on my deathbed tearily confessing to my kids no. that I ran a Ruby Ridge episode on the wrong podcast. But no. That said, we did cover Ruby Ridge on the Conspiracy Pod, and I don't think in retrospect that it actually belongs on a Conspiracy Podcast. No. Because there is zero conspiracy. There's 
there's allegations from both sides about what actually happened, but there's not really a conspiracy theory regarding Ruby Ridge. Conspiracy minded individuals were responsible for what happened at Ruby Ridge. So in that way, I can see how that dovetails. I'm interested Um, to see which side you think were the conspiracy minded individuals, because I think I think it was I mean, yeah, I mean, both sides, maybe definitely law enforcement. I feel like they were they were reaching a little bit. It gets a little weird. It gets it gets hairy. Uh, It's it is more frightening than it is. Did this happen or why did this happen? It's pretty straightforward. So and it's it's frightening in a almost, I don't know, kind of inevitable way, because yeah. this is each side giving each other exactly what they want. There's there's one side that's like, uh, listen, we're buying all these guns because the government's going to show up and try to storm our compounds and take our guns someday. And then the government's like, if you buy all those guns, we're going to storm your compounds and take all your guns someday. So it's all just fate. It's all destiny. Everyone heading toward their inevitable destination. Not not to sound too woo-woo, but this is, in my opinion, a perfect example of when two groups of completely fear-based individuals find a way to give each other meaning. That's <laughs> just what this is. This is like, I have to be a victim or a hero. And I, if, if, if I could be both, that's even better. And yeah, that's kind of what's going on here. Not kind of, that is what is going on here on both sides. So yeah, on both sides, a, on both sides a little. There's a clear victim here. There's a couple clear victims. Like a baby almost gets shot. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not talking it, about the baby. It, it yeah, almost no. gets shot because a woman gets shot in the head while holding a baby. So mm, that's true. That that was problematic. If Look, people are I, unfamiliar, this is this is one of the incidents that kicked off our uh, long and storied love affair with white nationalism in mm-hmm. this country. This is something that preceded Waco, but ended uh, very similar to Waco. If oh yeah. What happened at Ruby Ridge happens about a year or so, maybe eighteen months before. And let's not Waco. forget that there's some there's some trouble brewing here in California. This might be ha- gonna. This might happen again <laughs> fairly soon because I mean, of what's happening up north. Th- this could happen in any number of places now. Like it. Well, yeah, but there's this county, and I can't remember the name of it right now because I'm again. I, we spoke earlier. I woke up at three a.m. and had to review my entire life, and I haven't gotten a lot of sleep. There's a county in California that's like t- declaring itself independent or a republic or something like that, and it's a militia group. So that's very chill. I'll. I'll I'll get into that later. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the coming years. I also think we're going to see a lot of people who can't afford to buy a home on their own coming. Like we're going to see communal living again, like all kinds of communal living. So not just the gun toting type, but maybe even just like across the political and lifestyle spectrums. We're going to see more communal living because I don't. It's hard to buy shit now Yeah, people, in places that aren't going to be eaten by climate change. <laughs> yeah, people can't afford to live places. So well, let's go. Let's do this. So let's get into what happened at Ruby Ridge. It mostly centers around a married couple, Vicky and Randy Weaver. It's always a Randy. They're a complicated story. What has always bothered me about Ruby Ridge is how actually Ruby Ridge, I think, to less of an extent than Waco. But they both get really heavily tied into 
white nationalism. And with Waco especially, they weren't white nationalists. And with the Weavers, they were white nationalist adjacent. They were not members of the Aryan nation, Mm -hmm. but they, if you told them you were a member of the Aryan nation, they were more likely to offer to cook you food than be repulsed by your views. Yeah. So they knew white nationalists. They just didn't participate. They weren't card carrying members, I guess. Which I can relate to because I was raised in Huntington Beach. <laughs> Everybody in Huntington Beach is yeah. like that. It's like when I think of all of the racist stuff I heard growing up, it blows my mind that I wasn't like, oh, these people are racist. Like it just, it, it sounds yeah. terrible to say that out loud, but it just never occurred to me growing up off, off Heil Avenue. Look it up. Look it up. It's there. So a lot of this takes place in Idaho, which if you are someone looking to buy a lot of guns and live somewhere where you don't have neighbors for 25 miles in every direction, Idaho's the place to go. And in the 80s, it really became a hot spot for right wing white nationalist types, especially in area of Idaho called Boundary County, which just if it's called Boundary County, you're looking for trouble of some sort. And it's going to be old timey trouble. It's not going to be like white collar tech crime. Well, Boundary County is a little redundant. Yes. Also. Yeah. (laughs) This is my home property. Idaho's northernmost county. It is described in a book called Ruby Ridge, The Truth and Tragedy of the Randy Weaver Family, written by Jess Walter. Mm -hmm. Uh, This area is described as such. A blurring continuum of homeschoolers, Christian survivalists, apocalyptics, John Birchers, posse comitatus members, constitutionalists, tax protesters, Mm -hmm. identity Christians, and neo-Nazis could find both one another and a ridgetop on which to hide out and build a life. I think what disturbs me the most about that description is how much of America that feels like right now. Yeah. Like, instead of it just being like a hotbed, the way this Jess Walter is writing it, it just feels like why I'm only going to stay in big cities for the next 20 years. (laughs) just not going to go anywhere else. Yeah, this is a thing that has definitely spread and it had already spread by then. It's just I mean, it's part of the fabric of America. Okay, like period. There's no quite. But there is some kind of like weird pride thing happening right now in this ilk of mindset that is very, very disturbing. Yeah, this, again, is where a lot of the white nationalist sentiment in this country starts, especially when it comes to not trusting the government and Liberals are coming to take your guns. This is the springboard for a lot of that. Doesn't really. It did not help things, this Ruby Ridge sitch. It certainly did not. So let's talk about the Weavers. They met in 1970. Vicki Weaver's maiden name, Jordison. I only bring that up because they met in Iowa. And I believe the drummer in Slipknot is named Joey Jordison. I also believe he died recently. And is, is that the right one? Yes, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Live reporting. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. yeah. July 26, 2021. I wonder if Joey Jordison and Vicki Jordison were related. Why not? They got to be. How many Jordisons are there in Iowa? Two. Vicki and Joey. He's in a band called Slipknot also. Let's yeah. not forget. Slipknot rules. Yeah, I know. But the name, you know what I'm saying? Mm, true. I yeah. feel like it fits in this whole oeuvre 
of this community. I'm also getting a big potluck vibe from these people. How so? Just feel like these are, there's a lot of potlucks happening in, in this, in this community situation. Well, having grown up in the Midwest, yes, there sure. are a lot of potlucks. There's potlucks happening everywhere all the time in the Midwest, mm-hmm. it, especially mm-hmm. in the winter. Mm-hmm. Like you want to carry a hot dish of food with you to work just so you can stay warm in your car on your uh, like three minute commute. There is that. But. <laughs> so I brought a frittata. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've lived through so many of those. Frittatas. <laughs> Man, just, 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 just hip deep in frittatas out there. Tell people at a Midwest potluck to wash their hands before they handle the food and see how quick you become an outcast at that workplace. Oh man. Well, yeah, here we go. That'll be me. It's always me. I'm always the one to throw the stink bomb in the room about washing the hands. Yeah. Yeah. Liberal. So these two meet in Iowa. They eventually get married. Uh, They have their first kid in 1976. Her name's Sarah. Things are normal for years. And then in 1978, Vicky reads a book called The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. Fucking Hal Lindsey, man. He is a Christian writer, a Christian Zionist, and a dispensationalist author. Dispensationalists are people who believe that the end times will happen exactly as described in the Bible. And that if you're living in those end times, it is your responsibility to help make sure those end times do happen. In your lifetime, exactly as described in the Bible. Sounds like a bunch of crazy fringe lunatics, but it's mostly presidents and politicians. And things. Oh, and my parents. Yeah, it's it's That's, a huge I was, thing. We were evangelicals are dispensationalists. Just yeah. So just understand that. I, I, and I forget sometimes that um, there are a lot of people out there that weren't raised in a dispensational evangelical mindset. Yeah. And I can see a lot of the rhetoric, rhetoric out there like, oh, these people are crazy or these people, they, they're stupid or whatever. And I'm not saying that they're the most sane people on the planet, but I think it if you are looking at large groups of people and saying, I don't get it, they're stupid, maybe just learn about it so you understand what's going on here. <laughs> It's, it's it's actually more bizarre than you know it's, is i guess my point like it's you know i had a tupperware box of bibles under my bed okay so. it's fundamentalism is what it is evangelicals were called fundamentalists back in i think it was the yeah. 40s or 50s when they finally realized that fundamentalist wasn't the thing you wanted to be but that is the definition of fundamentalism if you think the end times are going to happen literally as described in the bible you're a fundamentalist that means you take the bible literally well a dispensationalist involves apocalyptic thinking fundamentalism is just a person that looks at a religious doctrine as literal and that's no. a slight difference yeah but, but it, it's yeah. it's also it's still a form of fundamentalism you, 100%. you have a fundamental it's, belief in how the world's gonna end and it right so that's something to take into consideration when you think about some of the famous fundamental or fundamentalists or dispensationalists from history like ronald reagan ronald reagan believed in his dementia addled heart that it was our destiny to go to war with russia nuclear war and that the United States would survive that war and emerge victorious. And he felt that way because that's how the uh, crazy advisors around him at the time interpreted the Bible. Sure. And George H.W. or not George H.W. Bush, he was in the CIA. George W. Bush 
has spent most of his post-presidential life working with this group that relocates American Jews to Israel. Because according to his team's version of the apocalypse, something like 50% of the world's a Jewish population has to be in Israel. I don't know the exact numbers, but cool. for things to play out exactly the way his team sees it, people have to relocate to Israel first. Uh-huh. And what's crazy is when you think of the word fundamentalism, that's what we usually label groups like ISIS as. Of course. And the 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 thing And that's and that's why I want to draw the distinction between fundamentalism and dispensationalism because dispensationalism is not the same thing. Yeah, but it's a difference that doesn't matter a whole lot. Like if you're living your life thinking that it is your job to bring about the end times as described in the Bible, what is it in the Bible that you disagree with? No, I know, but not everybody believes in the Bible. And that's what makes you a dispensationalist, from my understanding. That's my point. What do you mean? It's like a Western version of I don't know what the it doesn't matter. It it actually doesn't matter. (laughs) Who knows? I do, but it's fine. Well, it's, it's, I just think there's like a weird. I understand there's a distinction between the definitions. I just don't think one is better than the I don't think one is better at all. Oh, no, 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 no. I I think that you can be a fundamentalist Baptist without being a dispensationalist, though. Sure, sure. So that's all I'm saying is you could be a fundamentalist Catholic. Right, but I would argue you can't be a dispensationalist without being a fundamentalist. Oh, 100%. So they're fundamentalists. 100% of Boise is in Idaho. Not all of Idaho is in Boise. That's all I'm getting at. And (laughs) the thing is, they're fundamentalists in pretty much the same way ISIS are fundamentalists. Yes. The key difference between dispensationalists and ISIS is who they think Jesus is coming back to help. They both envision the same battle happening in the same place, and each of their versions ends with Jesus coming back to save their side, which makes that a battle I really want to watch because one side or the other is going to be like, what? Come on. Them? Yeah. Well, you know, the great thing about world history is it's always been the end of the world. And I should mention I'm a dispensationalist. That's why I say it's a battle I want to watch. hundred percent. Yeah, I'm no, I mean, that's gonna your like shirt. A pay-per-view thing. I can see the shirt there that you're wearing. Like, yep, there it is. I'm going <laughs> to ended up being really perfect actually <laughs> adam is wearing a star wars shirt see That's, that was pretty good i thought you had actually seen my shirt i had it i didn't I did. <laughs> star wars is so fucking universal it really Let's, is I, star wars is christianity and star trek is a brain massage that's that's the that's the future where the liberals have won star, <laughs> star wars is the opposite let's go so back to the Weavers. Love it. Let's do it. Uh, Vicki Weaver is convinced. She reads all these Hal Lindsey books and she decides, yep, that's that's how things are going down. She talks to Randy about it and he's like, sure, babe, whatever. And they start looking for a mountaintop to move to. They start meeting with like-minded, radical Christian types at a local Sambo's restaurant in Cedar Falls, Iowa. So hot. Sambo's is as racist as the name implies. Uh, A couple shocking facts about it. One, it used to be a national chain. They were everywhere. And two, there's still one in Santa Barbara. Really? Yes. It is the last Sambo's and it's in liberal California. You think Oprah would have bought that out a long time ago. Yeah. And they, you know. Yeah. 
I don't know. They might have shut down. Mm, I'm not going to Google it. Fuck it. No. It was there recently enough that it's a problem. How many horrible moments in world history started with a husband only half listening to what his wife was saying? Yeah. (laughs) This is what this is. Like a hundred percent. Like I I really believe at the beginning, and I say this because when you're in an evangelical community, the wives are always so fucking fired up and you see it now with like the anti-vax stuff and you know, the save our children stuff. They just, and I don't mean to say this, but it is what it is. It's you see this like emotional drive that comes from these women that are channeling all of this pent up energy into these causes. And the husbands are like, okay, okay. Oh, sure. Okay, great. You know, whatever. There's fine. There's there's some strong Kurt and Courtney vibes here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> somehow Randy Weaver is the star of this story, just like Kurt Cobain is obviously the the, the star of the Courtney Love in Kurt Cobain story. Every man, mediocre man. <laughs> behind the scenes, Courtney Love is getting up to some shenanigans. And that's the same thing with Vicky Weaver. Somehow Randy Weaver is the name. That has come from all this, probably because he's one of the survivors. But Vicky Weaver's a fucking character. Holy yeah, Vicky buckets. wanted the world to look like she wanted it to look, period. Yes. And she had a lot of I'm white and nothing bad will happen to me bravado about yeah. her actions. She's one of these million mom watch women, march women. Yep. She's uh save our children. She is uh part of an MLM. Yeah. She had frizzy hair. Anyway. In September 1983, right around the same time Chicken McNuggets are introduced nationally. Wow, huge year. Big year for me. I tell you that. Yeah, and me too. They end up moving to Idaho. They they settle on a rocky bluff about eight miles southwest of a town called Bonner's Ferry. You know Bonner's Ferry, so it's about eight miles yeah. southwest of yeah, Bonner's Ferry. Yeah, look, here's Ferry. my mug. You can see yeah, my mug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we did a show there recently. Yeah. According to Vicky, it was, quote, just what the Lord showed them it would look like. They paid $7,500 for 15 acres. I'm angry. Uh, yeah, I would have moved to Idaho for those prices. It's not like you had to be a white nationalist. You could just no. go there and be cool and request Listen, that people leave you alone. And they'd do it as long as you didn't have guns. A broken clock is right twice a day and a good deal is a good deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's America. That's America. <laughs> we could have went up there and subverted things from within me and my, me and my liberal family. Uh, you know what we could do is just not do anything. <laughs> that sounds so cool. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I wonder what it costs now. Like what? 75,000. I'm not going to lie. I feel like you give me a few years. I could scrape that together and just I, I build mean, a compound in yeah, Idaho. Yeah. This is what I'm saying is like, it's going to be the Unpops compound. It's going to happen. Fine by me. As long as come it's Come to nice. our shows. As long as it's a baller compound. Oh, well, come on. I want like, to. It's... Caitlin, you ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Glom pound. Whoa. Like glamping, but yep. we build a glamour compound. Oh, yeah. No, I am not farming. I think I'm that's not. what Nexium was basically, right? Oh, that yeah. They Nexium... have pretty nice digs in upstate New York. <laughs> Nexium was like. We don't like, have to do all the stuff, just the nice place. Just the nice place. <laughs> I don't want to tend the, the the earth. Okay, I'm not that. Maybe somebody else in the Unpops crew is that person. Okay, I'm the 
I will, I will organize the, the, the events. Uh, (laughs) I will decorate. I can add a lot to the community. You know, I will do the encouraging loudspeaker announcements every day. Oh man, you would thrive. Can you please like dress like Jim Jones? (laughs) I mean, or always kind of a given. Like, yeah. The problem is, is like when you're a chick on a compound, your hair is going to end up looking bad. So I'm not going to, I'm going to try to not do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's always that like poof that starts. Jonestown had a, had a medical clinic, like a top-notch medical clinic. There's no reason there couldn't be like a top-notch salon. Like a dry bar. It's a glom pound. Where you go get a, you're right. Caitlin, it is a blowout. Glom pound. You're going to be able to get your eyebrows threaded. God, this sounds so nice. Come and we'll eat Rouse pasta. At the Glom Pound. At the Glom Pound. And this sounds so much call- better. That's what we're calling it. So we can trademark it and sue people if they try to build a Glom Pound. My kid would grow up to be so cool. God, I can't wait to move to Idaho. God, it's going to be great. All we need is $75,000. <laughs> going to start a Patreon just for this. Kickstarter. Kickstarter. So flashback to the 80s. Damn Idaho. It. The 80s were crazy. They were so crazy. I, know. I can't. Uh, I don't want to. I'm glad we can't go back to the 80s. I don't want to have anything to do with the 80s. Not that now's much better. I mean, I I I miss them a little bit, but only because we were too dumb to know better. Like right the the days when you could be six and walk to the store by yourself. That store being about eight to ten blocks away. Magic. I mean, you could do it with a free mind. Yeah. Now you now it's just like wow. That's just statistically a horrible. I see what you're saying. It's a hor. Yeah, we are. Bad we idea. have lost our eternal sunshine. Yeah. So in the 80s, Idaho just becomes a place that right wing types flock to because of this. Mm-hmm. And within a year of arriving in Idaho, Randy Weaver ends up on the government's radar after a neighbor calls the feds to report that he threatened to kill Reagan. How, what kind of luck is that, that you move to right wing Idaho and just happen to move next door to the only snitch in town? Like, come on, buddy. What I do you just ca- feel like Republicans, <laughs> you can't, you don't know how, you don't know where they're really at. You know what I'm saying? That would be hard as a Republican. Okay. I will say that is like, you don't know how aligned they are to the government. True. Yeah. You know, because you could present as a more radical right wing person for a really long time. You get to vote in secret, Adam. So this is when the first letter goes out. The thing about the Weavers, they were big advocates of the written word and dealing with their problems via letter writing campaigns. So Randy Weaver is accused of threatening to kill Reagan, and he says it's a smear campaign and writes a letter to the Secret Service agent who interviewed him and demands an apology. That's a bold move. Yeah, that's a... <laughs> Can you imagine if I snitched on you? <laughs> Sorry, I just I don't know why that's making me laugh so hard. It's so Like funny. in a prank show kind of way. <laughs> As if you're not on a watch list already. God bless you, Adam. I'm sorry. But oh, like, for sure. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, like an alarm together. An alarm probably went off somewhere when I said threaten Reagan. Just links, just like live links to all your different things. Like this man, I could build an argument. And then oh. I get on Zoom the next day like, Caitlin, what the fuck? <laughs> like, like, gotcha. Gotcha, asshole. Then like, you just like, I watch a bag go over your head. You disappear out of the frame. Oh, man, so Randy Weaver didn't get his apology. Yeah, he's not going to get one. But he did get the government's attention after mm. all of this, which is attention you don't really want. 
in most cases. So one of the groups that was active in Idaho at the time, and almost certainly still, is the Aryan Nation. They're a big white nationalist group. I think everyone's familiar with them. They had been on a bit of a crime spree in the 80s, robbing banks, robbing armored cars, killed a Jewish radio host named Alan Berg in Denver, things of that nature. Lovely. Randy Weaver is spotted by an ATF agent at the Aryan Nations Congress in July 1986. An Aryan Nations informant, not an agent. And an informant named Kenneth Fadley, using the alias Gus Magasono, introduces himself to Weaver, and they meet up several times over the next three years. And eventually they make a deal for Weaver to sell Fadley sawed-off shotguns. And important distinction here. One side, being the ATF, argues that Randy Weaver offered to sell this guy guns. And Randy Weaver's argument is, no, he approached me about selling him guns. And that's a big important distinction because one of those things is entrapment. And the police are not supposed to do it. No, they're not. Can I just ask a kind of off the 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 trail question how do you not know that a man named gus magasono is yeah informant like if somebody said to me that was their name i would be as polite as possible i would give one word answers and i would never talk to that person again Here's the thing. If you're making enough money to support yourself via crime right now and none of the people in your life seem to be cops, stop. Stop right now. Don't. Keep doing the crime, obviously, but just stop accepting new people into your life. No more new friends. Because eventually one of them is going to be a cop. But they never stop. This is how they always get caught. Yeah. And, you know, and, and if you're thinking to yourself, if I could just get this one last deal done. Don't do that deal because right. that's the deal. Yeah, that's movie shit. That's how <clears throat> movies start. Well, it happens in movies because that's how it happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like you overshoot. Oh, Gus. Anyway, yeah, I, it's a uh, that's that's a little creepy. And it's it's one of those things where, listen, I'm not here to sympathize with white nationalists or sympathizers of white nationalists. No. But the laws are the laws. <laughs> and yeah. this is a thing you see a lot from the FBI these days like it's slowly coming out now that the plot to kidnap the governor of michigan was along these same lines someone from the fbi approached these people and was like want to kidnap the governor and <laughs> when they all said yes they were like just joking you're under gotcha. arrest uh there are so many stories like this there was one that happened in buffalo with a group that was accused of being terrorists and it was Mostly because an FBI informant approached them and was like, want to be terrorists? And they were like, I guess. And they do it to, you know, justify their budget. I I feel like I've missed my calling being, I could have been a really great FBI agent. I wouldn't have, I could get them to to do it. Uh, Yeah. I just don't know if I would have wanted to be an FBI agent. I understand why you're saying that. When I was a little girl, though, that's all I wanted. And I don't know why, but well, I do because oh. the silence of the lambs. It just seemed like the coolest job in the world to me. Oh, yeah, for sure. For, for the I, longest I found, time. Yeah, I found a way to talk to psychopaths anyway. Ultimately, that's all I wanted. So. Yeah. <laughs> and you would have to know how to talk to psychopaths to navigate working at the FBI. Oh, hey, well, I work in show business and they're there, too. Amen. Oh, oh. anyway, so. 
(laughs) (laughs) So in June 1990, two ATF agents approach Randy Weaver and they tell him he ha- that they have evidence that he violated gun laws. And they offer to drop the charges if he snitches. Not only does he refuse, his wife writes a letter to the people that the FBI wanted her to snitch on, warning them that the government is looking for snitches. A letter. Fires off a letter. A letter. That you know the FBI probably read. Or the ATF. This is the the, ATF we're dealing with. Here's the thing. This shows exactly how little conspiracy-minded individuals grasp regarding the scale of what they think they're fighting. The fact that she thought she could write a letter alone and just that would be cool and it would disappear. Lady, just go get a pina colada, take a seat, watch your shows, chill the fuck out. Don't do this. You are not built for this life. Like, just enjoy your mountain. Damn. You got you got 15 acres for for less than $8,000. You won. Go fishing. Fight a bear. That's Yahtzee. Oh my God. The world is yours. So because Randy Weaver refuses this deal, they issue, the, <sighs> the authorities issue a warrant. But also, Vicky had previously filed an affidavit with the Boundary County clerk giving, quote, legal notice that we believe we may have to defend ourselves and our family from physical attacks on our lives by the federal government, end quote. So, Caitlin, they were hesitant to just pull up at the Weaver's place, guns (laughs) a-blazing. This woman is incredible. She's She's got, like, weird balls. (laughs) I don't know what kind of balls those are, but they're balls and they're weird. She is a piece of work. So it's really pretty clever how they end up arresting Randy Weaver. They pose as stranded motorists. Two ATF Uh agents pose as stranded motorists after they're notified that Randy Weaver is heading down the literal mountain he lives on. And when he stops to help, they arrest him at gunpoint, like a couple of jerk stores. So he's arrested. He enters not guilty, please. Released on $10,000 bond. A court date is set for February 20th, 1991, Kurt Cobain's birthday. Happy 24th. Happy birthday. Yep. Randy gets a letter with the court date listed as March 20th, 1991. And he thinks he's being fucked with because he's been told his court date's February 20th. He gets this letter that says it's March 20th. And he's like, they're trying to set me up. No matter what day I go, they're going to tell me it's the wrong day and I'm going to fucking go to prison. And so Vicky starts firing off letters to the U.S. Attorney. Love her letter writing campaigns. I'm here for her. Let's see what she does. So good. In the body of one of the letters, she refers to the U.S. Attorney as, quote, servant of the Queen of Babylon, end quote. Nice. And says they will not bow to your evil commandments, whether we live or die. So here's where I wrote down in my notes that we start to have a conversation about her and just full blown mental illness. Oh, for sure. Because I think once you're whipping out things like Queen of Babylon, A, you're officially a Stephen King character. It's occurred. You have turned into this person. But B, it feels like Babylon is like a buzzword for people with some kind of manic or schizophrenic disorder. Yeah, there's definitely more at play here than just Vicki Weaver being an anti-government type. And yeah, I feel that's, like that's just flat out crazy. And I feel like in a perfect world that would have played into how the ATF handled this. 
Because at the end of the day, one of the big sticking points here is all of this happens because Randy Weaver said he would sell some guns. Right. There has to come a point where you're like, is it worth it? Like, is it really worth pursuing this given the potential for what might happen? It's like how eventually the LAPD had to institute a policy where at some point you give up on a high speed chase if it's getting too dangerous. Like if it's going to put civilians at risk, you just have the helicopter follow them until they get back on the freeway. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing here where as this carries on, one side or the other just needs to be like, all right, I fucking give up. But no one's able to take that high road. And in that case, you it has to be the government that does it. It should. Yeah. But but not here anyway. Oh, man. So so Vicky is hot off another letter writing campaign. Yeah, she's firing off these letters. My question, do you think Randy knew she was firing off all these letters while he's in hot water with the government? No, this is what I'm <laughs> saying is that I I really think she is responsible for all of this. And he just keeps sticking by his woman for some reason. And that's where this ends up. I mean, he is. God, this is so much like Kurt and Courtney. Because yes. <laughs> here's the thing. He is responsible for a lot of this. Uh, I know. In the case of Randy Weaver, he is the one who offered to sell the guns. And in the case of Kurt Cobain, he's the one who fell asleep while Courtney Love had a gun. I don't know. It's it's his anyone's fault. guess. Clearly yeah. his fault. There's there's a whole lot going on there. But yeah, it's he obviously bears some responsibility, but man, Vicky is not making things any better. I just think people will do crazy stuff if the I mean I was thinking about how much time I spend with my husband recently just like just he's the person I'm around that's the you know him and my son uh my four-year-old is not going to convince me of shit uh he's tried to you know but I thought about you know I was reflecting on it you know in, in comparison to my parents marriage actually and I was like yeah I guess if I was living with somebody who just kept at something and just kept at it and kept at it. I mean, that's just going to change the way you move through your day. There's no, there's, there's no getting around it unless you leave. Yeah. You know, and it's not necessarily abuse because I'm sure there's a world where Vicky was just pleasantly crazy at home and she had her hobby and it was a way to channel all that weird energy. And he was like, well, she's got a point. It's clearly making life better for me. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I, I can see how that happens. Yeah, it I, he had I, I don't know. I feel like he had to know, but I'm not saying he didn't know. Knows? I'm just saying this yeah. is how you turn into somebody who's suddenly yeah. complicit in this kind of activity where your spouse is just kind of the seed of insanity and you don't confront that part because you like being right about all the choices that you make. So instead you just tuck and roll and go with it. (laughs) So this all, this standoff between them and the government carries on for a long time. In the midst of all this, they have a baby because of course, a kid is definitely going to make this situation better. Her name is Elisheba again, Uh of course. Great. She brings the number of Weaver kids to four. There's also Sarah, who is 15 at the time, Sammy, who's 13, and Rachel, who is six. Mm. So now that they know there's kids... A standoff is inevitable because they can't risk just going to the door. So oh, absolutely. Now they got to just uh, watch and hope for the best. <laughs> Such a good strategy. And they do that by way of a program called Operation Northern Exposure. 
where what a great name i'm sorry that's a, it is a really good name it oh yeah it's it's fantastic i love operation names it's surprising that it uh, was even possible at this point in history uh-huh. because what it involved – well, now we had surveillance cameras by then. I didn't know we had the kind of surveillance cameras that you could just like tape to a tree in the forest. But I did not know that either, but there you go. Just speaks to how far ahead they really are. Yeah, but that's what happens. The ATF goes out and puts watching devices and listening devices all over the woods around watching the Weaver's and house. listening. We're watching and listening. And at one point, they note that Weaver and the children uh, sometimes take up armed positions around the cabin when visitors oh. arrive. So that complicates things also. <laughs> Imagine like a little kid with a gun. Yeah, that's cute. Adorable. So at some point, Randy Weaver finds a bunch of this recording and surveillance equipment around his God, property. I want to know how he found it. I, I think he literally just like we're talking cameras in trees and shit. I know, but like just I want that moment. That's all I'm saying. He's just walking around, just like whistling to himself, and he's like, "What the fuck is this? It's a fucking camera." The size of like a telephone pole because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's the 80s it's like a zach morris cell phone like, just taped to a, a tree that's just on <laughs> it's a guy disguised as a tree just holding one of those big ass shoulder tv cameras it's a polaroid camera and they're just like spit out all along the trunk of a tree what the kind of tree are and, you you gotta tell me he just comes and scurries and picks up all the polaroids and he's all in camo and he runs away i like all of this let's keep going So this all eventually makes it out to the media after he finds the surveillance equipment, like the the cover is blown. He knows the ATF is watching and the media gets wind of this. And that's when Geraldo Rivera gets involved. Of course, he does not help the situation at all. When he's a piece of shit on April 18th, 1992, he flies over the Weaver compound for an episode of his show called Now It Can Be Told. And somehow the U.S. Marshal Service receives media reports that Weaver fired on this helicopter. And the thing is, U.S. Marshals were at the site at the time installing surveillance cameras. And their their notes do not mention any shots being fired. (laughs) Weaver says he did not shoot at Geraldo. The pilot of the helicopter gives an interview and Uh, says Weaver did not shoot at him. But nevertheless, this incident is used as justification in drawing up what was called the Ruby Ridge Rules of Engagement. So they put this operation on hold for three months while there's hearings for the incoming director of the U.S. Marshal Service, Henry Hudson. And the Weavers obviously notice this, like if there's teams of police outside your house and one day they're just not there and then they don't come back for months. You know. Yeah, you're going to be like, okay, cooler heads have prevailed and they've dropped the case. (laughs) Woo, we're just going to chill. But nope. On August 21st, 1992, six marshals were sent to scout the area for possible locations to launch an ambush and arrest Weaver. Again, on charges of offering to sell guns. So at one point, one of the marshals, Art Roderick, decides to throw rocks at the cabin to see how the dogs will react. Because Uh apparently these are 12-year-old U.S. marshal agents storming this compound. Obviously, the dogs react by going out to see who the fuck just threw a rock at the house because they're dogs. 
they're not like, what was that? They're like, who just threw a rock at the house? I know exactly what that was. I'm, I'm very, a dog. I'm, I'm a good puppy. I, I know. Keen ears. I smelled that rock coming toward the house. And so the dogs go out to see who threw the rock. And Weaver's son, Samuel, and his friend, Kevin Harris, follow the dog a very good boy named Stryker. And Randy follows on a separate hiking trail. And he encounters the marshals at a Y juncture in the hiking trail, about 500 yards from the house. They identify themselves. He curses and turns around to run. And accounts vary as to who shot first and why. But Sammy Weaver and the family dog, Stryker, were both killed. Sammy Weaver being their son, their child. Jesus. Uh, and also U.S. Marshal Bill Deegan was killed. Kevin Harris was injured, but he runs back to the cabin. And eventually the body of Sammy Weaver is moved back to a shed in front of the cabin. And the thing that kind of causes all this is the Ruby Ridge Rules of Engagement. And this is a document that they drew up in response to claims that Randy Weaver fired at Geraldo Rivera's fucking helicopter. And <laughs> because of that, they wrote up, these rules. One, if any adult male is observed with a weapon prior to the announcement, deadly force can and should be employed if the shot can be taken without endangering any children. Two, if any adult in the compound is observed with a weapon after the surrender announcement is made and is not attempting to surrender, deadly force can and should be employed to neutralize the individual. Three, if compromised by any animal, particularly the dogs, that animal should be eliminated. Four, any subjects other than Randall Weaver, Vicki Weaver, Kevin Harris presenting threats of death or grievous bodily harm, the FBI rules of deadly force are in effect. Deadly force can be utilized to prevent the death or grievous bodily injury to oneself or that of another. So basically they were saying if you see someone with a weapon, shoot, which is... Uh, yeah. It's not great. It's not great. And the standard FBI rules of engagement... Our agents are not to use deadly force against any person except as necessary in self-defense of the defense of another when they have reason to believe they or another are in danger of death or grievous bodily harm. Whenever feasible, verbal warnings should be given before deadly force is applied. So basically, under this new rules of engagement, the ATF, FBI, whoever had free reign to shoot at people. And one SWAT team from Denver thought these new rules were a bit too much and decided to stick to the standard policy. But most of the other SWAT teams that were present did not. And, they were into it. Yeah. And on August 22nd, before negotiators even arrive, the FBI starts shooting. Uh, at one point, Randy Weaver came outside to visit the body of his dead son. And mm -hmm. FBI sniper Lon Horiuchi, following these new rules of engagement, aimed his crosshairs at Randy Weaver's spine and fired hoping to kill him with one shot, but Weaver moved at the last minute and the bullet hit his back and exited through his armpit. As Weaver ran back toward the cabin with his daughter Sarah and Kevin Harris, Horiuchi fired another shot. This shot passed through Vicki Weaver's head as she was holding the baby and struck Kevin Harris in the chest. So she was killed. He was injured. Negotiators that arrived later did not know Vicky had been killed. So they frequently called out to her during negotiations. And the Weaver family assumed they knew that she was dead and that they were just like being assholes, rubbing it in. Yeah. Cool. Which so that's going to make things 
a little more tense. But it does end up ending uh, amicably. Uh, not amicably. That's not <laughs> the right word. Uh, from there, it ends peacefully. It, it de-escalates from that point on. They eventually get this like white nationalist uh, figure. I think he was like a writer or something named Bo Gritz to talk Randy Weaver out of this cabin. And he's basically like, look, man, if it's me telling you to come out, then you should probably come out. And he's like, it's not because I love the government. It's because the government's going to burn your cabin down with you inside it, probably. So Randy Weaver ends up uh, surrendering on August 31st, 1992. And Lon Horiuchi ended up being sent to Waco when that happened the following year. It's never been confirmed, but there are claims that the shots that kicked off Waco were also fired from his position. What? And here's the thing. The, back to that uh, <clears throat> analogy about high-speed car chases. In the end, Randy Weaver was acquitted of all of the charges except for missing a court date. And for that, he was sentenced to 18 months, but credited with time served and only served an additional four months. I can't imagine sending him to prison at all after that shit. That is crazy. But he ends up serving four more months. Kevin Harris was acquitted on self-defense grounds and a Senate subcommittee report in 1995 criticized the rules of engagement change as unconstitutional, short for unconstitutional. That saved you time when you said it. It did. It saved me a ton of time. So uh, Lon Horiuchi was indicted for manslaughter in 1997 by the Boundary County Idaho prosecutor just before the statute of limitations was up. But the case was removed to federal court and immediately dismissed. A Ninth Circuit panel later reversed that decision. But by then, there was a new prosecutor in charge in Border County, and they dropped the case on September 14th, 2001. Thanks again, 9-11. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely a weird post 9-11 drop. Yeah, there there are some stories that were lost to 9-11. The, That's the, got to be, we, we've been talking about doing an episode about this for years. We need to do that episode because yeah. that's there's a lot. Yeah, the Saskatoon freezing deaths, that was... The the cops behind that went on trial. I think September tenth, two thousand one. What's her name that went that was killed in the in Central Park? Oh yeah, Chandra Levy. Chandra Levy, fascinating story. God, that's a crazy story. We did a conspiracy episode about that. Oh Oof. yeah, yeah. There's no question what happened to that woman. It's very, it's very strange. <laughs> So that's what happened to the the Weavers. See, it's I, I feel like it's that story isn't quite what people probably think of when they no, hear Ruby not. Ridge. Because you, I, I think because it gets lumped in with Waco, you picture like a compound full of crazy white nationalists. And yeah, it was, but there are only like four of them and they weren't really doing that much. Like not. Well, and people don't even have a full picture of what Waco was either. No, no. I mean, if you just went by the news coverage at the time, what, I mean, it was abbreviated at, if I'm being generous. And Waco, one of the things that frustrates me about that is whenever you bring up the fact that David Koresh maybe wasn't doing all the things that the government accused him of, people will be like, uh, yeah, but he did marry a 14 year old. And it's like, okay, so for that, you burn down the compound with like dozens of kids still inside. I it. know it's That's still what I don't understand. not a fucking argument for what happened at Waco. He went jogging every morning. They could have just arrested him 
there. Well, and the other thing that bothers me about this is that since when does the government get up in arms about going all in against sexual predators? Never. Yeah. Ever. And I, I mean, that's what's so frustrating to me about like the, 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 the pedophile conversations with QAnon. Cause I just want to say to these people, like, you're so close, you're so close, but you yeah. really fuck up <laughs> and it gets sad. Uh, and then no one listens to you. Um, so it's just, when I hear like, oh, well, blow, it's like, well, you want to go get a pedophile? Like, just go, go get one of your petite friends have her dress up like a teenager, take her downtown and just wait for somebody to approach her. You'll get one. It's not that hard. You'll find one. Go to Orlando. All over the damn place. Yeah. Well, Orlando is like the the number one hotspot because this is everybody. uh, Get ready. I spoke with a person who specializes in tracking down human traffickers. And what he explained to me was people fly, fathers fly to Orlando with their families and their kids set them loose at Disney world. They go have sex with underage kids and and children, I should say, and then come back and meet up with their family again. That's, that's what happens in Orlando. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me, but it's, it shouldn't surprise anybody. Obviously horrifying. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of money that Disney puts into squashing those statistics. BT dubs. Disney squashing pedophilia claims. Come on, Caitlin. I know. I know. Crazy. Are you watching Euphoria? You don't seem like the kind of person that's like. No, people have told me about it. And here's my problem. I got problems of my own. So I don't like watching shows about other people's problems. My problem is I don't really want to watch teenagers having sex. Yeah, someone. (laughs) So what what is it? People get so defensive. They're like, oh, well, it's like what kids are going through. Okay, A, no. All right. That is not what teen sex and drug use looks like. It's far sadder and way more pimply and way more depressing than any of that. And secondly, and normally I'm not the like pearl clutcher in the conversation, but it's a show. It's a fantasy for people that want to have watch kids having sex. Like I don't get it. And I, I, I'm not saying that, I mean, listen, I, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I don't, I just, there's something about that show that does not sit right with me. And, you know, I spend a lot of time working on stories about women and children that are brutalized. And I'm pretty sure those people fall into the demographic of the people watching that show. And I don't know what else to say. Like, I don't know how to feel about that. What do we do with that? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to get a lot of great though. Yeah, she's great. I don't think they've any of the kids on that show or young people have thought that through and I don't blame them for not doing it. It's not that that's not what I'm getting at. It's not their fault. So I think that's our Ruby Ridge episode. Oh, yeah, it's definitely our Ruby Ridge episode. I'm I'm, I'm glad we got this story out. I I, again, I feel like there's uh, people just hear Ruby Ridge and think it's one thing. And it's actually kind of the exact opposite. It's not really aggression against the government. It's government aggression against Admittedly, not great people, but government aggression nonetheless. I mean, I think at a certain point, we all need to remember that in America, you're allowed to not be that great. Yeah. Yeah. Like you are. I mean, you are allowed to not be great. If you don't want to live in a country that allows people to not be that great, you can go to China and become part of their social credit system. Enjoy. And also Have, have fun. Have fun with that. And also, the police don't decide your punishment. Don't lose sight of that, nope. people. The police nope. arrest and uh, the, the courts decide punishment. So the fact that Randy Weaver did, in fact, commit a crime 
in no way means his wife should have been shot in the head while holding their, their newborn child? baby. Mm-mm. Yeah. Nope. So next week, the episode's going to be so much, so much more upbeat. Oh. Don't get me yeah. wrong. We are still discussing a family beset by tragedy. No doubt. <laughs> so, okay, listen. I rarely, rarely stump for people to become Patreon members. But for this episode, you're, you should. Because what we are going to cover is A referencing some deep cuts of pretty scary okay this is this is a this is a notation that goes back literally years yes and b we both have stuff to say we're we're all i'm gonna say i think all we should say is this and you y'all can fill in and fantasize about what we're talking about here adam and i are gonna cover a movie next week called robert mm. Shh, don't don't say anything else adam what's nothing it, else what could it be about what could it be about a real movie on Amazon. An actual movie that you can pay money to buy if you want. And people made it on purpose. People people reviewed it and presumably some of them gave it good reviews. I would. It's there a movie. are not all bad reviews for this movie. We are, yeah, we're 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 reviewing a we're doing a movie review next week. We don't do that that often, sometimes. But this came this this arrived in my feed and it felt like kismet. It, it felt like destiny has called us. And I think it's I think it's a well we're going to be able to go back to a few times. And on that, just just become a Patreon member just for this. Just seriously, just if you've been listening to this show for a long time, just enjoy. You'll you'll see. You'll see. You won't regret it. Yeah. I mean, if you want to just subscribe literally just to listen to that episode and then cancel, it's fine. I set Patreon to the thing where you get charged up front. So so you can't. Yeah, we, we're good. Yeah. You can't be a scoundrel. We, we know you have you have lives. We get it. You got stuff to do. Yeah, totally. You got stuff to pay for. I get, I totally get it. Like okay. subscribing to Pretty Scary on uh, patreon.com slash unpops, unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech, or right there in your Spotify app, and I think mm-hmm. in the Apple Podcast app, too. Also, you can follow us on at Pretty Scary Boo on Twitter and at Pretty Scary Boo on Instagram. I manage those accounts, and you can talk to me there. That's where I am. Caitlin's going to be doing a new thing. Go Go out to the Twitter and find out about that. Yeah, uh, we're, um, we'll talk a little bit more about that new thing on the next free episode, I think. Probably I'll have a better plan by then. But uh, yeah. Pretty Scary Book Club. That's all I'm going to say. Pretty Scary Book. The person okay, who tweeted actually- that, I want you to know, we we printed that tweet out and it's hanging in the Pretty Scary corporate offices. We're going to sell it mm-hmm. as an NFT someday. Why wait? Yeah, that's true. We should just sell it now. Maybe they'll want to buy it. <laughs> Maybe the person who tweeted it will want to buy it as an NFT from us. Yep. Anyway, I I think that's it. Should we get out of here? Yeah, absolutely. Caitlin, will you say goodbye? Mm, Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. We love you.